What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain what up everybody i'm back literally, figuratively, metaphysically, and here with my brother, Dr. Dan, and uh, we're going to talk about some weird shit that I've been doing, some, uh, some old school technologies from the jungle. Love it. Yeah, and you've, you've been familiar with that, so who better to chat with about <laughs> that than the good doctor? Um, so yeah, man, so what, we're, um, what I'm referring to is a technology called the Dieta, that mm. the... Um, you know, jungle shamans, the ayahuasqueros and the vegetalistas and uh, the people who are working with the plants. It's a technology they use to get the wisdom from the plants that they can use for healing later on. And it's something that you hear about. It's kind of like the way that the shamans level up, you know, and gain more experience. And what it is basically for them in their paradigm is they go into a deep communion with the plants where they take in the essence of the plants slumped often literally by you know some kind of extract or actually uh, ingesting some part of the plant and then they invite that plant to take root inside their body obviously spirits you know in their light body not Mm -hmm. physically they don't have like plants going growing out of their ears or whatever Um, and then for a period of time they're on a very strict diet and in communion in communication with the plant and it's kind of like a bilateral communication where the plant is making sure that they're a worthy vessel to carry the plant and they are learning the wisdom from the plant and getting kind of taken to task and it's something that i've been aware of um, but i hadn't ever had the time to kind of carve out because it's it's an isolation diet Mm -hmm. you know you're not supposed to be around people actually when you're in the diet itself you're not even supposed to touch people I mean, not, not supposed to, like no touching at all, let alone sex, but no touching at all for the, at least the opening part of the diet. And I know it was something that, that you had done and, uh, and you had benefited from. So it was something that kind of came to mind, but I think maybe we'll start with sign of, uh, you know, your experience as, you know, Westerner doctor, like what you've kind of gained from that process. And then I'll go into some Mm. of my crazy stories. Well, it's good to have you back. Good to it's welcome you good back. To be back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong process, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And when we talk about dietas, some people think about, oh yeah, I've done a dieta because I prepped for Aya, or I prepped for a medicine ceremony, or I respected the dieta on the other side of ceremony. And so there's a couple of different translations to that term dieta. Sure. One is the preparation diet and the kind of the energetic um, recommendations going in for a prep. Like for for me right now, 
uh, I'm mindful of a ceremony that's going to be coming up. So the dieta is in place. That means essentially on the lead up to ceremony, you're, you're aware of energetic exchanges with other people and really big sensory experiences and mm -hmm. the diet, you know, refraining from pork and um, big heavy yeah. meats and that sort of thing. The dieta that you're referring to is totally different than that. So gorging on bacon on MDMA, having an orgy is out. Right. It's out in the dieta. There's no way to wiggle that back in. No. No. Okay. Not even a little bit. No. And and when when you think about like just one of those ramifications is like you get really fucking sick. Yeah. Right? And then you stack all three of those is just like a lot of the way that uh, we either used to roll or a lot of our friends still roll. Yeah. And um, it's – and you, you made a, a comment earlier, which is the, the – I think the crux of all of it, which is it's a primary communion. This style of dieta one we're talking about is a primary communion in isolation with the plants so that they feel comfortable. The energetics of the plant and the plant kingdom, particularly that one plant that you're working with, feels comfortable taking up residence within your energetic space. Mm -hmm. So if I've got craziness, if I've got these real loud experiences, if, I'm, if my body's really acidic, if I've just been exchanging a lot of intense energy, that could be a lot of intense love energy. It could be a lot of intense, like, um, negative energy with other people. That's going to create a vibration pattern that's going to ward off plants. Because if you look at plants in the natural kingdom, they're pretty freaking tranquilo. Yeah. Right? So the the whole they idea. Don't, they don't ride roller coasters. No. Right, like, and, and we're really built for big experiences. Sure. So it does take a m super mindful um, dedication to go into that practice. And then let's take a step back too, because some people are talking, you know, the way that we're talking about these plants is, is the paradigm that these, the jungle shamans have kind of come up with. And it's a very, you know, deistic paradigm of this kind of an animistic paradigm where everything has a spirit that, that can teach you and be in you can be in communication with, particularly living things, but other non-living things as well. Everything has a spirit. And mm -hmm. that's, you find that just across the board in all of the disciplines. In, in all traditional in cultures. In all the traditional cultures. Um, and wow. as you go into the plants, it starts to make a lot of sense because a lot of these things talk to you. Now, whether that's your brain and your imagination, all of that, you know, I, I really don't bother myself with that distinction very much anymore. I mm -hmm. mean, if... If it's your brain and it's your imagination, that's fine. You know, if it's the plant, that's fine. Either way, the effect is the same. So as we talk about this, if it's more comfortable for everybody to just imagine it as your imagination of the plants, you know, and what you believe, I'm totally cool with that. It's I make no distinction between whether it's the actual plant or whether it's our imagination. It's really about the effect that it has. But for the shamans, it's a very real thing. These mm -hmm. plants are very real spirits. They're very real teachers. And, um, and they're, as you say, you know, they're trying to invite that spirit to take residence and it requires a certain, certain amount of discipline to do so. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not a huge leap of understanding to think of plants having different profiles. Um, herbalists have been talking about that for a long time, like the law of similars, like certain plants because of the way they're made or how they grow or their kind of like their physical substrate will give an indication of how they work in a medicinal capacity in the body and in the mind. So it's not su it, it's, it's not a, a big leap to understand that the 
energetic profile of something like cayenne is going to be very different than rose mm -hmm. or very different you know those are above ground plants one's spicy one's a little softer um, or turmeric or one of the roots like the roots underground have a particular profile um, rhodiola as a really strong adaptogen has a very different profile than something like lemon balm mm -hmm. one's stimulating one's calming so those are just physiologic properties you wouldn't know that if you were looking at them, but if you take them and you have a relationship with them in your body, there's a different effect. Yep. So we're just talking about like the next evolution of that level of sensitivity being the effect that it has in our feeling state or in our thought state. And you can only know that when you get really quiet and you set up a primary relationship with the plants, mm -hmm. which is what you did in this dieta, which is really freaking strong. And, and uh, I totally applaud your ability to carve out that time in the midst of running like the on it mothership and um making that dedicated effort because it's easy to get in the rat race and believe that we don't have time right but when it's just a level of prioritization like is this really important for me to understand yeah it was it, a lot of things came together because i had the book that i needed to write and for me to write i need to be in isolation anyways so it was like a good way to force myself in isolation, mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't fudge around and it was really effective. The combination of the dieta and the book challenging for sure, but I'm actually really glad I had the book there because it gave me a respite from these constant <laughs> meditative communications that mm -hmm. I was having. So I'll go in a little bit to my experience and basically the dieta traditionally has a certain set of rules and the way that I, um, the way that I did it was taking, um, you know, some liberties with the traditions and just really communicating directly with the plant that I chose and, and coming up with a way that that kind of made sense. Um, I think there's tradition, there's a lot of wisdom there, but there's also some dogma that gets stuck in um, just as in anything that's been around for a thousand years, mm -hmm. you know, some things are there and you don't really know why they're there and they may not be, you know, fully necessary. They may have had a good impetus or, you know, so, um, so my dieta was a little bit non-traditional. It was a bit shorter. It was only 21 days. And it was opened not with and closed not with ayahuasca because I wasn't down in South America. Uh, we opened and closed it with cannabis ceremonies with, uh, with the shaman I was working with. And, um, but it was still, the technology worked, you know, no doubt about that. And one of the interesting things is we were starting, I knew that if the dieta goes well, at the end of the dieta, you're given an ikaro which is the song of the plant. It's like the medicine song of the plant. And I have not sung for real. Like, like I make like fake songs, you know, I'll sing like Sweet Child of Mine and like it's really scratchy voice and yell it out or like well, let's get it on by Marvin Gaye and just <laughs> screw around. But I haven't sung a real song. I don't know since when. You know, it's always a joke because I don't really trust my voice. So this was like a really stressful thing and I was thinking about like how is this plant going to give me a song? I've never written a song. I've never sung a song for real. So, but anyways, that's kind of how, you know, traditionally it's supposed to go uh, at the end to kind of signify that. But in the, in the meantime, you go through the, the tests of the dieta, you know, that's really like this, this trial, um, this trial part. So we set it up and the, and the plant I chose was rose. And the reason I chose it, it's had a strong family connection. My grandmother had rose gardens. My mother had rose gardens. I have roses tattooed on my on my arm and uh, I thought it would be a good plant teacher. I mean, roses are everywhere and uh, it's a definitely a significant force in many people's lives. Mm -hmm. A rose can say, 
thank you. I'm sorry. I'm horny. You know, let's get well. Bravo. You know, it can say a million things without saying a word. So uh, to me, it was a, it was a clear choice that I wanted to choose Rose. But when looking at the plant and I was talking to my shaman, it was actually Maestro Hamilton. I was talking to him and, and the thing about the rose is obviously there's the thorns. So you got to reconcile the thorns. You got to, it's all attributes of the plant. But what we chose to diet was just the white petals, you know, which is like the pure medicine we decided of the plant, the, the sweetest, purest intentive, intention of the medicine. Because if you give someone red roses, it may mean you want to take their pants off, mm-hmm. right? You know, so there's a little bit of like... And if the, you're dieting the thorns and the rooty part of the right. stalk, that's a different energy. That's a different energy as well. Petals. That's protection. But it's all connected. You can't get the flower and the petals without the leaves and the stem and the thorns but we just don't want to focus on that we want to focus on the sweetest thing if you give someone white roses unless you're like a mobster who's doing it ironically after you've killed their family or something like that (laughs) generally generally it's going to be with the purest intention of the medicine so that's what we decided to do and i really had no great idea how it was going to go um you know i just kind of showed up and we opened the ceremony and it was really really sweet and what ended up happening is, you know, first of all, we're in Colorado. Colorado has some strong weed, like really strong, <laughs> really strong weed out there. So the visions were actually, and, and I'm pretty used to tapping into my visuals. And again, it's, I think a lot of people think of visions like pure hallucinations, like, bah, there it is. So they get disappointed when the visions don't come like that. Visions are as much a part of your imagination. I mean, we all have visions all the time. There's these little things that float through our head. The medicines can kind of enhance those, give them a little more of a lifelike feel, but the cannabis certainly helps with that. So we had a, you know, kind of a traditional ceremony using what would be a non-traditional plant, but it worked really quite well and had some beautiful kind of opening ceremonies to the diet, um, which would be kind of, they could be storage all of their own, but met a lot of allies and teachers. And in the second night of it, um, had a communion with the spirit of Rose itself which was really, really cool. Because uh, the first night was just kind of like a little bit, but then the second night, the vision of what that spirit was came. And I could I could see it. I was there with uh, Maestro Hamilton and Maestro Christian, who is Hamilton's, the first maestro that he taught up. Really amazing guy. And Christian was actually singing his Icaros. And it felt like when he was singing his Icaros, it felt like he was going fishing, right? He's like fishing for something big. Like he cast this line way out and like off in the field of my vision way to my left i could feel this huge entity coming like this massive massive entity and i was like oh shit and i could just hear with the tonation and like how he was he was like calling it in like reeling that thing in with the eager and ramping up the intensity was coming in and as it came it was this like almost like octopus like figure but massive like I don't know how you can tell how massive these things are in vision, but you can like a massive, like Mm. football fields, massive. Yeah. And probably infinite size, massive, but that's like there's an energetic weight. Energetic is just weight to it. Right. And you can also see with the geometry, like you can look in closer and see it small and look out big and see, but it was anyway, there's this giant like octopus like figure. And instead of the suckers on the tentacles, all of them were roses. And it had thousands of tentacles and millions of roses. And it was just kind of floating through and had a very distinct kind of feminine energy. And she kind of came through 
and got a chance to kind of at my first encounter with that spirit of Rose or my imagination of it, whatever, but had that first encounter and I knew that the diet was going to be for reals at that point, mm -hmm. you know, because those visions are, you know, those are special. Those are more to me. Those are, there's something about them. There's a quality about them. There's a, a cellular recognition of, oh, this is something unusual. You know, this is not just these things that flicker through our mind, you know, dreams and whatever. This is something else. And, uh, and that kind of happened. And I knew at that point, like, this technology was going to work, mm. you know, that I was going to have, have something to work on. Um, and then sure enough, as the diet started, so, so basically the opening part of the diet is the most strict, no salt. I was eating only dry lettuce, dry chicken, dry rice, a little bit of food, no oils, no salt, no spice, no nothing. And actually the no salt is the most exhausting part mm. because I'm in altitude, I'm having no salt and it's, it's exhausting, mm. you know? So, but anyways, you break that initial part with, with salt. And then you can, you know, then you can touch people. You're still not, but you still have a lot of restrictions. You're not supposed to have sex. You're not supposed to masturbate. You're not supposed to think about sex. If you're dreaming about sex, you're supposed to stop yourself. And that's, that's a really interesting one. And you're not supposed to eat bad foods. And if you're dreaming about eating bad foods, you're supposed to stop yourself. Like they don't make a distinction. You're still blowing it if you're doing it in your dreams. Like, totally. they, they don't make a distinction. So that was interesting. I wondered how that was going to go. Anyways, closed that off, had some great ceremonies, had that communion with Rose and knew, you know, I would be in for a lot of lessons and a lot of things that um, that she would teach me. So headed off to British Columbia and was feeling really, really in touch, like probably the most in touch I felt. Even walking through the airport, there was like a kind of a level of consciousness that dropped in that I've rarely felt ever in my life, like just seeing through the fabric of everything and just with pure you know, love mm -hmm. and, and appreciation. It, it's cool. It's cool to look at people without the eye of the judge, mm -hmm. you know, and I think just presence, just presence and, and recognition like that could easily be you living a different life. Mm -hmm. You know, like that platinum rule I've talked about on the, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast, not do unto others as you would have them do unto you, do unto others because they are you. I mean, that's, that's just you in another situation but to really live that way without that layer of judgment where that layer of separation super super difficult mm -hmm. and there's only brief windows but that was definitely one of the windows where i was really kind of tapped in get out to british columbia and i think the first night the very first night i had a dream of just this t terrible like golden corral buffet of food that i was that i was like start like about to engorge on and i had a little voice in my head just like no 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 can't eat that and i remember that coming in the dream so i was like oh maybe it is possible i'd later find out that it wasn't completely possible <laughs> but um but anyway so i started the process and started writing and started you know kind of meditating and immediately it's just like the veil between my vision state like what some people would call the astral which is all of the visions and all the imagination all of the things that veil was pretty much evaporated where i could tap into vision at any given point and one of the first challenges that came were visions of these snakes that were trying to attack me and it was really interesting because i've never had that happen before you know where i've had like entities my imagination of them whatever come after me mm -hmm. and 
it was interesting because my first reaction, of course, was to fight him. Right, so these big giant snakes are coming. You after feel me. threatened, so yeah. you just right. marshal that defense response. Yeah, so these snakes are coming after me. They're trying to eat me and bite me and stuff, and they're really annoying me in my vision. I know they're not going to actually bite me, but they're attacking me in my vision and and deterring me from doing what I need to do. So I was like, all right, let's fucking bring it. You know, I'm gonna fight these snakes. And so I was fighting these snakes in my vision, and I'm like totally sober. I'm in British Columbia. It's Nice weather, you know, it's not like anything weird's going on, but this is happening in my vision state in the quiet times. And uh, so I would battle them. So I would like get big and I'd grab their neck and then they would like turn and bite my hand and I'd have to let go. And then it was like this whole fight where we were, we were like hitting them and I'd visualize things like full Green Lantern style. Like I'd visualize some kind of weapon and I'd try to attack. And I realized like the more I did it, the more they liked that. Like the snakes were like, fuck yeah, this is exactly what we want. And nobody was beating anybody. It was like this protracted stalemate of combat. So then I was like, all right, I got to come up with a different approach. And the approach has to be not to fight these things, but to show them, you know, my own invincibility, you know, my own eternal self, that internal invincible self that's not subject to alteration. It's the very core spark of life the spark of creation the spark of humanity itself show them that thing and let them know that i love them too mm-hmm. like as part of creation i love those things as well i don't need to fight them like i appreciate them for what they are and that was challenging at first because i wasn't that confident in, the, in that move so they would still attack me but as i grew confident the snakes grew like more docile and more docile until finally I could actually talk to the snakes and their attitude was full on like, yes, sir. No, sir. <laughs> you know, like full on, you know, like they didn't have to talk like that, but that's just the way it ended up being. And it was this kind of like friendly relationship where these enemies then became kind of allies. I don't know, didn't know what I was going to do with them, but I kind of talked to them and what, when I was talking to them with my imagination, they were saying that their purpose there is to attack fear and attack weakness. Like that's what their role is. And the role that they're doing in that is, of course, resistance so that we can overcome that fear, overcome mm-hmm. that weakness. Like that is their sole purpose. They are a imagination entity that attacks fear, attacks weakness. And when you overcome that, you've grown stronger. It's resistance training. It's a sparring partner, you know, really is what it is. And then once you recognize that and appreciate them for being a sparring partner, overcome them with a recognition of your own invincibility and kindness, then they become allies, mm-hmm. you know, happy to spar with you if you need or happy to just and be work there on your behalf and work on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like a that was kind of the first part of the diet that got really interesting was meeting these different allies. And then. I had to battle a tarantula, same deal. I was giant tarantulas. We were kind of fighting and, and I was like, no, 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 this is not going to work. It keeps biting me. And again, it's just hello, like show up, imagine, visualize that invincible light in my you know, core, in my heart center and just send it love and appreciation. And eventually, again, the same thing. And what's cool is even now in my vision, like those allies are there. Like those sparring partners are there. I don't really have anything to do with them other than just like say what's up. But it's like in in my mental array are these allies, these these beings that I've faced or these imagination constructs that I've faced. 
and they're still right there. And then there was other ones that showed up too. There was this gigantic anaconda that was like a hundred times bigger than the snakes I battled. And when I saw that, I was like, fuck. Like, well, like what am I going to do here? Like, please don't fight me. Like, I'm not sure I'm that confident, you know, that I could, this, it was just so much bigger than me. And it felt like it could just swallow me whole, you know? And, uh, you know, I would have if necessary, but I didn't really want to. And this, that giant anaconda was like, no, 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 I'm not here to fight. You know, I'm just, just letting you know I'm here and, uh, I'm an ally. If, if you ever really need me, I'll be here. And I was like, oh, sweet. So not everything comes and you have to fight it first. Same with like a giant bear. Again, I was like, oh no, I really don't want to fight this humongous she bear. And, uh, but again, bear was just showing up like, Hey, I'm here. But those are a little different. Those are like, I've called on them before and they were kind of like, nah, like not coming. You know, like you don't really need me now. Whereas the other ones that I battled, they're kind of always there hmm. in my mental, you know, kind of array. So it's interesting. It's an interesting kind of paradigm that I didn't expect at all. Like this was not what I was planning on going through, but it's something that you hear from from the shamans. It's part of their it's part of their mental paradigm. And as I took their traditional leap doing the dieta, even though it was a non-traditional plant rose, some of these other traditional things like encountering these different mm -hmm. spirits started to come into play. So that was a really cool kind of um, a cool moment of, of a recognition of how to fight. You don't fight with violence. You fight with a recognition of your invincibility and, you know, that showing love versus mm -hmm. showing malice. I mean, and you've essentially engaged one of the primary treatments in, in all of the major religious or spiritual disciplines which is transcending the dualistic nature of life mm -hmm. like me against you or you and i are different or there's some kind of thing because if i'm driven by craving and i want something or if i'm driven by fear and i'm avoiding something then it sets up this dual nature yeah that this thing is different than i am and by transcending that, going above, we could talk about going, going above that, like levels of consciousness, like this third plane reality level of consciousness, a fourth plane astral level of consciousness mm -hmm. where you see into the vision scape, a fifth plane at level of consciousness above that, which is the, the compassionate, unconditional, loving unity consciousness. Right. So you're essentially trumping that war by accessing a higher state of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then everything below that becomes service to that. Mm -hmm. And the, the warring aspects of that resistance training then becomes an ally that you get to call on on your behalf moving forward. That's, that's an amazing, the Buddha talked about that under the tree. Jesus talked about that. You know, we we're just talking about like the different foundational principle teachings of all spiritual traditions we can understand on a particular level like i get that but until i really put that into action until i really exercise that in the gym of my own consciousness or in my own mental construct until i really wrestle with that have i really understood that teaching yeah and you got like firsthand example of 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 working with that as well as overcoming it and then recognizing that there's no hierarchy really 
at that level, everything is connected and everything, everything is part of creation as this oneness yeah, of creation. Totally, totally. Yeah. It collapses the duality. It was interesting, you know, you mentioned Buddha and I, I, one of the statues that I always really appreciated was Buddha under the Naga, you know, which is mm -hmm. sometimes depicted as one snake, sometimes it's an amazing sculpture snakes, in yeah. Cambodia, but like a whole hood of snakes. And I was able to envision that after my encounters with the snakes. And it was a deeply, deeply peaceful place to be. I felt like I had this headdress of snakes and it was just really like incredibly peaceful in there. Mm -hmm. It was the most peaceful time of my life, the first 10 days of that dieta when I was in complete real isolation from anybody. And then when I started to get back into contact, that's when a lot of challenges kind of found their way and a lot more, you know, lessons came through. But really, you know, one of the big lessons came and, and again it, a lot of this is just making sure that you're worthy to carry the medicine so things whatever dieta you're doing whether it's a preparation for ceremony or it's one of these you'll get tested like pruebas you just tests you just will get, come you just get tested so mm -hmm. my first big test in the dieta came with the big like a big fight that i had with whitney and she was gone we we hadn't been in touch for like 14 days and you know some shit went down the details are not the details are not important but something you know deeply deeply upset me you know i felt betrayed something deeply upset me so when i was in that it was a real wrestling match with how i responded to that you know because it came really strong like it came on really strong and you know i'm never one to call names or do anything like that but in the, in our arguments, I noticed at a certain point there was this desire for retribution, you know, mm -hmm. even in how sometimes just being cold, you know, like shutting off mm -hmm. my love. And I would notice these things and but I couldn't really stop it at that point. I was still like I was so mad that I was still doing things that subconsciously I knew were part to resolve the issue, but part to get some revenge. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I had this vision of this demon that came in my head. And, and this was after this you know, discussion where I, I kind of knew that I pushed that a little bit. Again, I'm not like calling her names and being crazy, but I knew I was acting in a way that was hurtful. Mm. You know, when I could have acted in a way that wasn't hurtful, that still would have resolved the situation. So I, uh, I had this vision of this demon and it was this big gorilla head and it was this gorilla head with big old horns. Now, I don't know why demons always appear with horns, but, but I guess the only thing I can think of is just to let you know they're demons, right? Just so you don't get too fond. And I always appreciate demons. your recollection and recall of the visions you have. Like, I remember you talking about the boar man. Oh, the boar yeah. man's a different demon. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I had to reconcile <laughs> that one a while ago. Awesome ones. I'll tell they you look the, kind of like the, some of the shirts. Yeah, that's why I started to recognize all these different, all these different demons. So anyways... Um, <laughs> and to me, a demon is delusion, but we'll, we'll get into that. So anyway, so uh, this gorilla headed thing with big old horns and it, instead of having the roses with flowers up was grasping the end of the petals. And I saw it taking the thorny parts of the rose and hitting Whitney with the thorny parts of the rose. And I was like, oh, fuck. It's like that is what I was doing mm. by being cold by playing, you know, like, all right, no, it's cool. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you later, whatever, you know, like that move of like mm -hmm. 
I'm not even going to indulge this conversation. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm so turned like any of these diff- different things were me taking the back end of the roses and drawing mm-hmm. blood with the thorns. And it was like this flattening moment where I was like, whoa, that was a test. I didn't quite pass it, but I learned something there. You know, I'd failed the initial part of the test because I was doing that. I was doing hurtful, something hurtful. And really, but show, being showed that vision, I understood that thing. And I can recognize that thing now forever. And whenever, if ever that thing comes up, there's been other opportunities where I've seen that path. It's just that fucking gorilla head with the, with the, th- with the horns and the, and the roses by the, by the back end and the thorns. I'm like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I'm not fucking going down that road. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've seen that and that's not, that's not part of the agreement. That's not part of the agreement I made with Rose is to use the thorns as an offensive weapon, mm-hmm. you know, like there's no reason I wonder too about that experience being a defensive response on your own side the what whatever you felt was injurious or you said you you felt betrayed mm-hmm. and that how does that feel in your own body in your own mind in your own heart that feels like getting your own heart whipped it does right so then that defensive kind of protection shield just naturally comes up so when when you see it and dance with it from both sides and both angles and we really have the opportunity to feel it recognize it so we're not denying that that feelings there it's not like a bypass you're not trying to jump over it you're actually being really with it like oh wow i just got hurt and i'm choosing to stay present with it i'm Mm -hmm. choosing to open up into that pain and for men that's really that's even more challenging because our our nature tends to be to close off when we get hurt yeah go into the man cave hunker down for a little while wait till everything you know the shit's settled and then come back out yeah. versus when and for women it's it's more hurtful to do that to even than to even be beaten same thing for that kids, is the beating right kids right kids would rather have negative punishment than no attention they'll seek out any kind of engagement we are social beings so to be met with coldness is even harsher right so you're actually seeing that from both angles and what a freaking great mindset to have that now you just said you know since and you experience since the closure of that diet that any kind of similar patterns that come up now you're able to track that like a fucking hawk mm-hmm. and be like oh okay no actually i don't choose to do that i choose to do this it's a little harder at times maybe initially but the long-term benefit of that is actually more connection more peace well, it's a move of people think of strength as armoring up and getting your sword. Strength is showing your invincibility. Mm-hmm. Strength is going like, hey, I'm wide open to this feeling. Like, let it run through me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not afraid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, armor, you only put on armor if you're scared. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have something you need to protect, you know, and the strongest people don't need that armor because they have nothing to protect. I mean, obviously we have squishy bodies, right? I'm not talking about actual war, a cop wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, someone may fucking shoot you, wear a bulletproof vest. Don't be silly, <laughs> you know? But I'm not, like, in the spiritual realm, strength is going without armor, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a, key, that's a key lesson. And also understanding, you know, I have codes of how I treat people, but you don't extend it to the actual effect of what you're doing. Like, as you're saying, withdrawing was worse than yelling at her. Mm-hmm. You know, like shutting off all the love and treating her like I didn't love her at all. Mm. 
you know, was like way more damaging. That was what was the whipping, you know, not the words or anything like that. You know, that would have been this hot moment that would have stung a little bit, but at least it would have felt like I was passionately engaged mm -hmm. and there would have been something to hold on to there. So yeah, it was a really fucking interesting, interesting moment where I dealt with that. You mentioned the boar man and the boar man was a vision I had a long time ago. So I'm, I'm kind of like reconciling these demons. And again, it's, you see these demons and you read in a lot of the texts, like grab your sword and cut the demon in two. Mm. No, no, no. They just love the demon, appreciate the demon for what it is, appreciate it for what it's showing you. They're all, everything is worthy of love. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to indulge it. doesn't mean you have to follow it, but it's actually more, it's stronger not to attack it, mm -hmm. you know, and just like, all right. So again, and, and the board man is another one of these that I had in a vision of ayahuasca and that's, that kind of sexual ravishing impulse of just, and this was a man that was, had all these tusks. And in that vision, the boar man, the boar man wanted to take me on a ride. And the ride was through this like totally deeply pornographic scene of just orgies and bodies, kind of like going to Xerxes tent in 300, you know, it was like, <laughs> come with me for a ride. <laughs> it was like Xerxes tent. And I was like, whoa, that looks kind of good. But I was like, no. Yeah. Like, Cause our primal nature gets yeah, engaged yeah, yeah. with that. But it just felt, it felt like off in a way. And I think that's one of the things, you know, how to recognize these, these demons as I call them. They're just a little delusional. Like they're not accurately, assessing truth in some way you know and in this way the boar man was not doing it was it was craving too much it was too involved in that thing it was lost in that thing that was the only thing that mattered you know it, it lost touch with perspective it lost touch with reality you could just feel the palpable delusion in there so i was like no 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 boar man i can't fucking go that way you know i can't do it and then the boar man turned up like pulled off his mask and it was me well wow. behind that like that was a powerful moment just too. like freaking like the the empire strikes back right when yeah. luke takes off darth vader's head and the mask comes open and he sees his own face yeah so archetypal totally right to recognize like whether it's the gorilla the boar man what is that teaching me about myself right anybody that have a strong emotional charge to what's that person teaching me about myself yeah yeah and you know, it doesn't mean that I don't love my, you know, sweaty sex, but there's like a certain level that it becomes delusion where mm -hmm. it's, you're too lost in that indulgence of these primal desires. Like it has a great place, you know, it's part of this beautiful dance we're in, but in perspective, it's healthy out of perspective. It's not healthy, mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of what the boar man showed. So again, that's another check and balance where, you know, I've had a little much to drink and or whatever, and I can feel that boar man. And look, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'll fucking put on the mask, mm -hmm. you know. And, At least then but, it's a choice. But it's a choice. Like, I'm not lost in it. I know right. it's a mask. I know I'm indulging that that aspect. But so that's, again, another great teacher. So I'm encountering these these demons who become great teachers, teachers of, you know, this kind of reconciliation of what is inside me, aspects of myself, you know, the shadow, the beast, whatever that a lot of these other, like Ann Shulgin talks a lot about the shadow, mm -hmm. these kind of shadow figures that are inside ourselves that are representing themselves to me in visual form. And that's been really cool. The one that I didn't expect, and I'm getting like really, I'm just wide open just talking about this shit. I didn't know if I was going to do it. But anyways, <laughs> so there's more stuff going on, different challenging things, you know, working through fears, 
all the time just choosing, you know, choosing to have to carry the light side of the medicine because there's a really seductive element of rose. There's a variety of elements of rose, but it was just forcing me to really choose that over and over. And I remember, I remember at one point, um, <laughs> there was this really strong urge. There was this delusion that kind of came in my head about um, about a person. And, you know, as I've talked about on the podcast, Whitney and I have an agreement in our relationship where we're allowed to, you know, pursue other relationships. And there was a person that came into my mind. I didn't even really know this person. person that came into my mind that all of a sudden I decided was like the greatest person ever. Like she was like, she was like the most beautiful, the most like, and it was like this, this 36 hour window where this thing came over my head where I was putting all of these things on this person. And it was like really weird. I was like, oh my God, I haven't even seen that before. How did I not see that? This person is incredible. It's amazing. And then <laughs> I ended up, you know, I ended up talking to that person. And all of a sudden that person just became the normal person again. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, holy shit. And then I had this, another vision came right through. This is in the, in the dieta. Another vision came through and the vision was a unicorn with this big old horn coming out of the front head. And I looked at the unicorn and I was like, wait a minute. If I've decided that demons appear with horns and shit, maybe this unicorn is the demon. And I realized that the unicorn is a demon. Unicorn is this demon of placing these mythical, fantastic attributes on something and making it therefore unattainable it's it's rife with delusion Mm -hmm. the unicorn is a horse that we've put all of this other magical abilities fucking farts rainbows it's the only one no one can catch it it's pure white it's in the forest it has you see it at the only at the purest sunset it's all of these mythical things that we put on something ordinary that makes it unattainable You know, and people talk about the unicorn in that way. I remember uh, there was a Nicolas Cage movie, Gone in 60 Seconds, where he had a car that was his unicorn. And this was the thing that he could never quite get. And it was always it was always really challenging. And I realized in life we make unicorns out of all kinds of stuff. Like all the girls that I wasn't able to date back way back in the day, it was because I was making them unicorns. I was making them these magical mythical creatures so it would affect my behavior i was treating them like magical mythical non-person creatures and acting funny around them and being weird around them and then they would look at me and be like what is this guy doing because he's not treating me like i am he's treating me like something that i'm not and so he's a fucking crazy person so i'm out you know like that's why the unicorn becomes unattainable because it's not real and people can sense that bullshit that you're putting off by putting all of this shit on them. You know, and I think that's, you know, people are awesome, amazing, incredible as they are. But when you start piling on and making a unicorn out of them, you're never going to catch them. You're never going to be with them. And I've done, I did that like my whole life. And the unicorn is not something that you put on a pedestal. It's a demon. It's there to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's something again, love it. Love that mm-hmm. aspect, that aspect of us, putting more on top of something than is real but it's, it's the other side of the coin of it's delusion the o- it's the other side of delusion and it's still going to it's still going to be a detriment in your life mm-hmm. so that was like a really interesting kind of thing because unicorns are obviously super 
you know, popular is, is the, oh yeah, unicorn. And that's cool, whatever, enjoy that. But then also recognize like what that is when you're, when you're under that kind of delusion because it's going to push whatever that thing is, it's going to push it away because you're coming to it with delusion. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be come to with delusion. They want to be come to with truth. They want to be met at reality, not met at fantasy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, but and I, that's, the, that's the spectrum of projection. Yeah, we project into fear. We project into idealization and fantasy and myth. And there's a good book called the the uh, quest for the mythical mate. I think it's something like that about relationships and how we do that in all our, re- mm-hmm. our relationships until we're conscious of it. And amazing compliment both of those sides. And it, I, I wonder how how far apart was that. Where you had the uh, whole a week, go- yeah, <laughs> like right. a week, right within the same yeah. kind of meat of the dieta. Right, reminds me of a dieta that I was doing down in the jungle and um, spaced out by two days. Um, well, the, the the dieta was several weeks, but in the midst of it, in the meat of it, um, after ceremony, I go back to my tambo in my hut, and um, I'm sitting there laying on my hammock. I'm still, you know, super zingy. Uh, and it's super pitch black. It's maybe like four, three, four in the morning, right before sunup. And from the soles of my feet all the way up to the crown of my head, slowly there was this creeping black mass <laughs> of the filth of human potential. And I, and, and as soon as it got up to like my forehead and it opened up my vision, I saw all the horrible things that we as humans are capable of doing to one another. Child torture and pornographic rape and just all these crazy freaking images and i'm thinking like where the fuck is this coming from is this from me is this is this like past stuff and there's like fantasy shit like what's that about mm-hmm. didn't and so that and that kept and that went on for like two hours till till the sun came up interestingly enough and then i had the whole next day to kind of think about that and then the next day was another ceremony after that ceremony go back to my tombow nothing came up for me in ceremony about that but it was interesting and then once i got back to my tombow and in, and in my hut, and I laid back in my hammock, and now this is like 48 hours later, the same exact experience, except on the other side of the spectrum. From the soles of my feet all the way up to the crown of my head, slowly there was this rising crystalline matrix of unconditional love. And then when I got to my forehead and my vision opened up, it was essentially feeling the energetic frequency and the vibrational ripple effect of how Christ walked in human form on the planet pure and consciousness. pure consciousness and how his love radiated as a healing force around him energetically rippling out surrounding the whole planet it was this amazingly beautiful representation of that and and i and i mean i was just, you know basking in that for the next two hours and then that whole next day just looking at the pendulum of both of those and realizing that's just one side of the same coin mm-hmm. the 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 potential blackness and hate and how we act out our fear because of that torture and pain and how you would inf- how somebody would inflict pain upon another is just fear-based it's just trauma-based it's how we weren't met with love in our own lives and how we just long for that so deeply and then the expression of that when we feel fill so much with love and compassion and generosity and all those things that make people feel good when we when we are filled up with that so much the natural evolution is for it to pour over and to be shared yeah and so 
the the you know we we gravitate to the things that feel good we want more of those things and we try and avoid the things that don't feel good and they're just the same thing it's just our projection and relationship with that lesson one thing i'm going to attach to and one thing i'm going to averse to right well it's all part of the same spectrum when we know that and and we in like this is a, such a beautiful representation of that in your dieta and you becoming so clear and present with that lesson to be able to choose how to respond in any given moment to su- and, and to watch that with honest inventory or whether it's like the personal barometer or the checks and balances when i'm craving something that i'm losing my center over or when i'm fearing something when i'm losing my center away from yeah how do i get to respond to that and can i can i do i have my internal compass fairly well established that i know when i'm knocked off my center like if you're driving a boat you don't drive a boat that way yeah. you drive a boat a little bit that way and then a little bit that way and a little bit that way and you're always kind of coming back to that 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 middle way that yep. center point yep yeah that's exactly it and really what is what is the rudder the rudder is choice mm-hmm. you know the rudder is your will and acknowledgement of choice Mm -hmm. because so that you know that really segues way well into the close of the diet which was by far the most intense um obviously i'm skipping a lot of details this was 21 days of pretty much pure (laughs) fucking Uh amazing and i got lifetimes of lessons every day of that 21 day period and i got the book done at least the first draft i'm in the rewrites now but anyway a lot of rather really awesome stuff but then the close of the diet i was thinking we're just going to coast this baby home you know the hard work is done be cheered as you come across the finish line you gave me this little warning you were like right before i left you're like just so you know sometimes the close of the diets are a little uh, you know a little turbulent and i was like oh okay yeah sure dan whatever (laughs) not mine but you know i appreciate i appreciate that you (laughs) so i get back i get back to colorado another cannabis ceremony and uh and so we get started and right from the start i can feel it's getting a little gnarly like it's just like the energy there is getting a little gnarly and then pretty soon i find myself in the midst of all of the darkness and all of the light in the universe and it is completely overwhelming like completely overwhelming for my mind my spirit everything because it's all there. Like everything that you talked, imagine, you know, what you talked about creeping from your toes to your head, but both at the same time, mm. interwoven, intermixed. And the only thing, and it was just permeating and out in and out of me. The only move I had, I really felt like at that point, I might go crazy. Like it was just mm. too, it was too much. It was like all of the darkness, all of the light. And the only move I had that made any sense was to take all of that in and recognize that that's all part of creation and assume the role as creator and just put it put it all in. I am all the darkness, I am all the light. I'm every light thing that's ever been, I'm every dark thing that's ever been. As our piece as creator, you know, our little shard that we are in this grand scheme, we carry all that within us. And it's not about, you know, who you are, are you good or bad or whatever? We're all everything, we're all everything. It's choice that determines what we are, you know? Like inherently we carry all the dark and all the light, but the move, first of all, to bring all that in was incredibly terrifying, you know? Because you don't wanna recognize that you have the dark in you. You think, 
I'm a good guy. I'm the good guy. I got all light in here. Light from head to toe. It's all light. Check it out. Look at me. I'm light. You know, bullshit. You know, we all have, we carry with us all the darkness, all the light, all the capacity to do harm, all the capacity to choose love and give love is within us. It's our, it's our choice what we express and what we act upon when we claim that choice. And I'm not saying that some people aren't on autopilot where they've forfeited their choice to these forces, these archetypes within them. But we all have the ability to claim choice. And so first of all, that move, bringing it all in, was incredibly profound. One of the most challenging and, and deepest lessons that I've gotten, taking that all in and then realizing that my choice alone, my choice for love, was really the only thing that made sense. Like all the paths were available, but all the dark paths were rife with delusion. And the primary delusion of the dark paths is the delusion that anybody that you're hurting is not you that you're hurting. Mm. goes back to that initial thing that I was talking about. Like to do anything bad to somebody, you have to be under a delusion. And that delusion is you are not doing that bad thing to yourself, not doing that bad thing to yourself, living a different life. Mm. So unless you accept that delusion, you can't walk that path, you know, because otherwise you're just doing bad stuff to yourself. And that's a delusion as well, mm -hmm. because then you're under the delusion that you deserve it or under the delusion of some other thing, mm -hmm. you know. So that was a really, really powerful moment. And it, it wasn't like I could rationally figure it out. I just had to make that move and choose to have faith <laughs> that it was going to work out and that I was going to come out all right if I made that move. And again, that was... And there was certainly fear. I was like, man, what if this turns me into something else? What if I don't get out of this? What if this darkness stays and I'm having these fucking crazy visions my whole life? You know, if I would have chosen that fear path, I'd probably be under this table crawling <laughs> around. Looking, I'd be a fucking mess, you know? But instead I chose faith that I could make that move and I could, I could come out all right. Mm -hmm. And you've talked about this on our Wachuma doc and it's one of the lessons that I've really learned from you is that is the primary choice of humanity, fear or faith. And, you know, it's not this blind faith, but it's a faith in ourself. It's a faith when things are confusing, when nothing makes sense. We just, and, and the future is unknown. We can choose to indulge that in a fearful way or choose to indulge it like, you know what? I'm still here. I've always been here. I've always turned out all right. You know, I'm going to be all right no matter what. You know, I'm going to just choose that faith. And that choice is very often rewarded. Mm. Yeah. It's so... Um it's such a privilege to actually be in the crucible of that learning and that growth. Cause we know, yeah, it's some of the hardest work we ever do. And the more we're in it, the more we welcome it, the more we open up to that, the more we remember that we've been there before. And then when we take that retrospective analysis and, and that hindsight view, we realize, oh, that was a great lesson. Thanks for that opportunity to grow. Yeah, it wasn't maybe the easiest thing. And I, maybe my ego would choose to do it a little different. And every time I've been in that arena and I choose faith, it always works out. It always works out. Even in ways that I couldn't have even imagined it was going to work out. It ended up working out better. And so we just get better and better at being able to find that center point, surrender into the, into the grand orchestration of it all, and know that the more I presence myself and the way I choose to show up, reflecting everybody as oneness, and that's a hard thing to do, right? And it's a no constant. And the teachers talk about that, like enlightenment or whatever you want to talk about, like that consistent, unconditional presence of love. 
we could talk about that as enlightenment. That's not a light switch that just goes on and it stays on. It's a moment to moment choice. Yeah. Thousands of choices synergistically wired like a, a long mala beat into eternity. There's always these choice points. How do I choose to show? How do I choose to show up now? How do I choose to show up now? And and sometimes the, the lessons are like, man, fuck. I like just yesterday I was in this, the midst of this freak out because my rental car got all wonky and I knew it was going to take me 20 minutes to, to find the piece of paper that this woman, this woman, like, I mean, you got, I, I'm in it now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This woman wanted me to show because that was going to allow all of this to be okay versus her just giving me the freaking keys. And I was like, I'm really fucking mad right now. And I could say, I'm sorry to you and it would probably make it all better, but I'm just going to be like crinkly right now. Yeah. I'm just going to be a little regressed right now and go pout on the couch for 20 minutes while I look at this fucking look for this fucking piece of paper and I'm watching myself do this and it was a choice and I was in the midst of that choice and I the the best thing that I could do was watch my ownership of frustration and not try and make it different mm -hmm. in that moment after I found that piece of paper I walked up and I was like here you go I'm really sorry <laughs> you know I got a little fritzy there and then, and then it became okay because I, I wasn't judging that part of myself as right. being wrong or trying to force myself out of it. And so we, we always get in these like situations, but how do we choose to show up? Can I bring my best self forth? Yes or no. If not, can I make a repair on the other side so that there's no, like, no harm, no foul? And by the time I walked away, she and I were cool. And I was mostly cool. Yeah. I, you know, I'm in the midst of traveling right now and I'm looking for home, but this is just another example. Like sure. no matter how far I get along the path, there's always going to be another opportunity to show up. No doubt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, this is really this work that we do, especially with these medicines. It's just, it's resistance training. It's further your consciousness. It's putting yourself in the crucible. It's, and sometimes you're risking, like, just like if you put 500 pounds on the squat rack, you know, you're risking that maybe your quads give out and that thing fucking crashes down on you. Look at CrossFit fails and you'll see how some of the shit goes wrong. If you look that up on YouTube, like you're risking stuff for this resistance training. So that's why plants aren't for everybody. You have to pony, you have to ante up. You're ponying up and you don't know if you hold the cards all the time. You know, you hope you do. And if you choose faith, if you choose love, more often than not, you do have the cards to take all your chips back and more and get those winnings from, from the universe. But you know, that's what this is. And then, so how does it apply? It's not just about the visions you see there. That's, that's kind of, it's just good for illustrating stories and points. The real value is what you're talking about. These moments where you can catch yourself, these moments where you learn something and you can apply that to your life and be better from it. And then, you know, it also allows you to reach these points of, you know, what the Buddhists call Satori, which are these moments of enlightenment, mm -hmm. these moments of clarity, which is like, you know, the lightning flickering and lighting up a dark land. It's like lightning strikes and you're like, wow, I see everything. But for most of us, the lightning goes out again, you know, and it's just a passing storm cloud and this, but at least you've seen it. And once you've seen it, then you can start to grow that light so that you can be in that presence. And, you know, neither one of us are Christians, far from it. That's again, another situation where dogma has mm -hmm. far outreached the, the teachings, but that icon of Christ consciousness, you know, that is the lightning storm that is steady, that doesn't, you know, that's lighting up the land and you're seeing clearly and you're pouring out love without the flashes, without it going off and on, or at least very little. We didn't know Jesus the man. Maybe I'm sure he had his own, his own moments of, you know, 
you can actually, if you believe some of the things written, where his own moments of anger, where he's bringing swords instead of turning cheeks, you know, mm -hmm. he's he's wrestling with his own things. Obviously, nobody spends forty days in the desert if they aren't wrestling with some shit, you know. Like he had to do some reconciling there as well. And I got to kind of meditate on that a lot too. But that's probably a story for another podcast. Um, but yeah, that's it. You know, just getting the lightning bolt and lighting the land, an opportunity to to find your resistance. The last night before the diet closed, I got my Ikaro, which is cool. Still haven't really, I've only sung it a few times, but never thought that would happen. So all in all, you know, the technology worked. Now, mm. whether it worked because Rose took up a part of me or whether it worked just because I had a good imagination and meditation with this plant, either way, mm. you know, it's all the same. Mm. And uh, I'm just grateful for for that tradition and that teaching and you know everybody who helped me on the way yourself you know as a conversation with you in the hotel that kind of came up with this idea to do it and uh there it came manifest and mm. a book got written i learned a lot of things and now here we are <laughs> telling stories on a podcast <laughs> dig it man dig it awesome so glad you did that indeed well thank you brother i'm excited you're gonna be out here permanently in october so we're stoked get a lot for that of cool man shit done. we got some stuff we're writing together and stoked beautiful so anything else you want to uh you want to chat about before we jump off on here no I, i'd love to keep the conversation going because you know there's there's this thing that's happening with aya and with medicines and and you know we're building through crossroads the psychedelic research institute and the medicines and the and the, and the psychedelic research that's coming that's that's now taken its next evolution from where it kind of left off in the early 70s when they shut it all down there's this massive movement that's happening and it's it's good to talk about it in a good way you yeah. know, there's there's 60 plus circles in la alone there's 40 centers that just opened up in iquitos right where you and i have spent a lot of time in the last five years now pouring out medicine so the the medicine's getting out there it's great to talk about dieta and be able to share kind of a perspective of how to go from just receiving Aya like as a high schooler and then doing a dieta, which is like doing your like PhD thesis on personal development work. I mean, that's a next big evolutionary leap. So I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about the medicines and, and how they can be used. And maybe we want to get more into the research and where it is now and what we're going to be doing um, to bring some of that research through. We are just talking about visionary convergence. That's a great um conference on the west coast towards the end of next month on plant spirits plant spirit medicines antigens psychedelic research etc and then horizons on the east coast next month um so we're seeing a massive shift in psychiatry not only human consciousness and medicine but particularly in the in the realm of psychiatry because yeah. we're realizing that that's where i'm that's where i'm most excited we had that conversation yesterday i love the traditions and i want to take the best parts of that but I think for the future, there's going to be a way to deliver these with really sound med you know, medical principles, minimum effective dose, eliminating fear. I mean, fear is the primary virus. Let's just take that out of the equation mm -hmm. as much as possible. You know, how are you going to heal fear with more fear? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not it's not the right way to do it. You know, you, yes, you can overcome fear and bring things up and transcend them but let's not try to create more than is necessary there's already plenty mm -hmm. you know what i mean so eliminate that and, and i think that's going to be the future of medicine but there's still some very good traditional practitioners i have a page up on my blog of just places that i went it's certainly not a i'm not telling people to go do it that has to be a calling from within Personal because choice. i said it's a you know you're anteing things up you know and uh 
and you got to be ready. You got to be ready and you got to own that choice, you know, mm-hmm. but if you do go to aubreymarcus.com slash FAQ, I write a little bit about uh, some of the places I've been, some places we've been together. And uh, so check that out and um, check out, follow at Dr. Dan Engel. Dig social it. media. Yeah. 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 It's time Beautiful. for me to get back on that. I've been traveling a little bit, so we're going <laughs> to, we're going to influx a, a yeah. little bit more story. Beautiful. Dig it. Thank you again, my brother. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Much love. Much love, everybody.